Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. In our Advent Sermon Series, The Language of Christmas, we are unpacking five ways to show love to one another. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and giving of gifts. Jesus lived a life of perfect love for God's people. The greatest responsibility and opportunity for a Christ follower is to practice loving God and neighbor like He loved us first. It's our prayer that the love of Christ will be the greatest gift in your home this Christmas. Now, tune in as we study what love is and how to show it. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome to our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. So glad you're joining in. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I mean, we are one week from Christmas. That causes a lot of anxiety maybe for you. You're like, what? One week, I got a lot to do. I got all this stuff that's going to happen and everything else. But I hope and pray, I hope and pray it wouldn't cause a lot of anxiety or worry or stress. I hope and pray that you would just go, oh, Okay. All right, now I can embrace it, right? Now I can experience the love and the grace of God. Now I can celebrate what Christmas is really all about. And I'm so glad that you're here today. We're in this great series, our Christmas series. We're talking about this, the language of Christmas. And the language of Christmas is this, it's love, right? That's what the language of Christmas is. For God so loved the world. And what did God do that he gave? He gave his one and only son. And that's why we celebrate at Christmas. It's Jesus' birthday, right? We celebrate that Christ has come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so we want to celebrate. And then when Jesus came, right, he took the whole Old Testament, 613 laws in the Old Testament. He boils it down to two. He says, here's how I want you to live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he said, then the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. And so this Christmas, if everything's not perfect, right, if everything's not a Pinterest kind of Christmas for you, everything's not like perfectly laid out, but you grow in your love for God and you grow in your love for others, you'll have the best Christmas yet. And that's what I hope and pray for all of us, that we don't miss it, we don't get caught up in culture, that we get caught up in Jesus and we fall more in love with him, we fall more in love with the people that God's put around us and we celebrate the Christ of Christmas so in this series, we've been walking through these five love languages, right? Gary Chapman wrote a book several years ago and talk about how we all give and receive love in five different ways and to think about God loves us in every one of these ways and then we're called to love. And so we talked about the first week, this physical touch, right? Every kind of culture has had some physical touch, the handshake, the pat on the back, the kiss on the cheek, right? Every kind of culture. But we have that opportunity to express our love through physical touch, Right? There's sometimes when things are hard or difficult, and there's the power of touch. When somebody just gives you a hug, when somebody comes around and puts their arm around you, when somebody just lets you know that they're there, and you feel the presence of God with you in those moments. And for us, over Christmas, that appropriate touch, that reaching out to the people around and expressing 
our love. Then we talked about this, words of affirmation. And we said our words carry weight. Our words carry weight. And with our words, we can build people up or we can tear people down, right? In our lives, we carry wounds from what people said to us. But our words can either encourage or discourage. We can bring hope into people's lives. And so think about this Christmas, how I can speak words of affirmation, how I can write a letter or write a note or speak words that are gonna build people up around me and show them that love. And then we talked about this, quality time, right? We said you spell love, T-I-M-E, right? And for a lot of people, this is their love language, spending time and quality time. Maybe you've been at a restaurant and you've seen there's like a family over here and everybody's on their phones, right? You know, and you're kind of like, really? You know, but, but that's what can easily happen, right? And over the holidays, everybody kind of goes off or they're on their phone. It's not really quality time. You can be in proximity, but man, am I spending quality time? Am I letting people know I care about you? You are valuable to me. And then today we're going to talk about this one, acts of service, acts of service. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about giving of gifts, giving of gifts. And all of these are important. I was at a community group Christmas party this past week, and, uh, and when people started going around and talking about their love language, and everybody's talking about this, and it's been awesome to watch as everybody's been trying to kind of figure out not only our own love language, but the people around us, right? Your spouse, or your kids, or your friends, or your coworkers, and, and just hearing that. And what was amazing to me, a lot of people are acts of service. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, yeah, that's mine, you know? And I was amazed at many people because we want to do something. We want to help. It's our way of showing love, our way of giving love. But I think for all of us, there's something in there. When we do something for somebody else, man, you're expressing that love. Uh, several years ago, when my kids were small, I've got three daughters. They're awesome. I love them. They're amazing. And, and we have so much fun together. But when they were little, I remember one night, you know, for Christmas, Lisa went and she bought this dollhouse, right? And so she's like, okay, we'll wait till they go to bed. Then we're going to put it together. And I'm like, okay, sounds great, you know? And, and uh, you know, so we get this box and they all go to bed. And then I started looking at the box and it had those dreaded words on there, right? Some assembly required, right? That means, you know, you need an engineering degree from Purdue, right? You know, like, and you're trying to figure out, do I have enough hardware for this and all my tools? And I mean, so you're just going. So, man, we start, it's like 1030 at night. We're starting to put this thing together. And it's like a four-story dollhouse. has all these rooms in there. About 230, I'm thinking, this was a bad idea. Like, I don't know. I mean, I love my kids and all. But, you know, look at this. This is taking forever. And, I mean, we keep going. We keep going. Now it's 530. I'm thinking, they're going to start to wake up here. I don't know if I'm going to get this done, you know. And you start to hear them rumbling around, like, stay in there. Stay in the room, you know. <laughs> Santa's not here. You know, it's like you're trying to do everything you can, right? You're like, okay. And then finally about 630, we, we finished putting it all together. And I'm so tired. I'm so tired. But I got to tell you, when that door opened and they came running in and then they see that, they're like, yeah, you know, they start dancing around, you know, they're just happy. And I'm like, all worth it. All worth it right there, right? All worth it. It was so fun. And they played with it for several years, actually. It made it, you know? And so I thought it was worth that investment. But for all of us, man, there's these times that we work on a meal or we work on a project or we do something and we see that response, we're like, all worth it all worth it, that expression of love, that expression of love. And you know, Christmas, it's the greatest expression of love. It's the greatest expression of love you could ever imagine. That sovereign God would leave the throne room of heaven and send his one and only son to you and to me. He would come to us 
Not us trying to get to God, not us trying to be good enough, you know, maybe God will accept me if my good outweighs my bad. No, no, it's God coming to us in our hurt and our pain and our brokenness. God sending his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And I tell you, that act of love ought to fill us with awe and wonder every day. And we just open the door and go, yes, there's a God who loves me. There's a God who's not mad at me. There's a God who welcomes me home. And God loves me and I can love others just like God loves me. Wow, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, as we kind of unpack this whole thing about serving and acts of service today. So Luke chapter two, right? You've got the whole birth narrative. You've got that first Christmas. But back up to Luke chapter one, go to verse 26, and it tells us what happened right before this, right before this. So verse 26, Luke chapter one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, okay, so Elizabeth, she's related to Mary, right, and you know, she's got this over here, John the Baptist, and so in her sixth month of being pregnant, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So here you got Mary. Mary's probably 14, 15, 16 years old, I mean, that's kind of back then, that's when they got married, right, and so here's Mary, she's young, and the angel comes to her, and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I'm like, I would be greatly troubled that an angel was there, right? I'm like, I'm not greatly troubled at the words. I wouldn't even know what he said, right? I mean, there's like an angel standing there, but, but Mary's like greatly troubled at these words, like, hey, I'm highly favored. What in the world are you talking about? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now, maybe you don't need to hear anything else today. You can just kind of stop right there because Christmas is already out of control. There's already some family dynamics. There's always some worry, some stress, some fear. Just stop right there for a minute right now and just hear God say to you, do not be afraid. Just hear God say, I got this. I'm with you. I'm for you. It's going to be all right. Listen to me. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Isn't that awesome? You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, Yeshua, right? Literally means salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. Name him salvation. Make sure people get this, right? I want them to know. Here, make him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? All right, so here's Mary, a virgin, right? But the Holy Spirit, Jesus, fully God, also born of a woman, fully man. So fully God could take on our sins, fully man to pay the price. He knows what we go through, the suffering that we endure. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Look at verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Has God given you a word? It won't fail. You hold on to that. You hold on to that promise. And I love Mary's response. Look at this, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. 
You think about why did God choose Mary and Joseph to be the earthly parents of Jesus? You know, like if, if that was me and I'm thinking about it, I would, you know, want somebody who was well off, you know, had a lot of money, you know, but no, I mean, she's a peasant girl, right? Joseph's a carpenter. I mean, you know, they, they didn't have a ton. You know, I would think somebody who was like well-educated could teach Jesus all he's, no, I mean, probably didn't have any education, right? They didn't have a ton of success or money, the things of this world, but, but what'd they have? I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. Here I am. God, use me. God's like, that's it. I'll get the glory. Watch this. I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna allow you to be a part of what I'm doing. Hey, Mary, Joseph, you just get ready. I'm bringing the Messiah. He's coming for all mankind, and I'm using you. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app, but I want you to see this. First of all, as Christ followers, we are called to serve. We are called to serve, right? And not just that, that's my love language. No, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. It says, dear children, this is John writing, who was one of Jesus' disciples. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Maybe you've had people in your life like, yeah, I love you, man. Take off. Now, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us put it into practice. Let us love with action. Let us put it in our lives. See, love is a verb. Love is a verb. It's not just simply something we say. It's also what we do. It's how we live. It's how we demonstrate that love. Now, for some of you, right, acts of service, it's easy. You get it, man. That's just you. You, you serve. But, but for all of us to serve. I remember when Lisa and I first got married, and Lisa and I were kind of talking about things, and Lisa's like, okay, listen, I don't do trash. I'm like, no problem. I do trash. I'm good at trash. Like, so I'll take trash. I'm not great at dishes. She's like, great, I got dishes, you know? So we started kind of going through and dividing things out, and we're kind of doing this. And, and then what you begin to realize after you've been married a little while is like, it doesn't always fall out just like that, right? There's sometimes I got to unload the dishwasher, right? There's sometimes you just jump in and help. There's sometimes, you know, man, things have to happen around the house. And you do it, and you don't go, hey, listen, I did it. I need a trophy, right? I emptied the dishwasher. <laughs> Way to go, Dad. No, I mean, it's like, no, I've got a family. This is what I do. This is me demonstrating that love for you. And when you begin to realize that you're like, hey, I'm to serve. It's not just here for you or here for me. It's me. I'm here for you. And the hard part is, and the hard part is, and for all of us, this is a challenge. Why? Because we live in this culture where everybody kind of exists to serve us, we think. Right? We go to a restaurant and we have a server. And most of you, maybe a lot of us, yeah, you've been in that industry and you know it's hard work, right? And there's some people who are just like, really? Come on, you know? But you ought to be generous in tipping. We ought to all be generous in tipping and taking care of people. But, but that kind of carries over in our lives. And we get somebody to mow our yard. We get somebody to watch our kids. We get somebody to, you know, do everything kind of around the house. And, and then we go, hey, I need to go get pampered. I'm going to go get a, a mani or petty. You know, it's like everything's here for me. And you're going, whoa, 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 time out. That's not the way we should be. Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus. If you go to the book of Revelation, he says in Revelation chapter two, he says, guys, I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. He says, repent and do what you did at first. Interesting, isn't it? He says, repent and do what you did at first. And you think about that, right? Maybe you remember when you first got married. 
You're like opening the door, right? You're bringing flowers, right? You're, you're whatever it is. Hey, I want to take care of you. I want to take care of you. And then somehow you get married for a while and you kind of drift. Like, that's your job, you know? Yeah, you do that. You know, I'm going to sit on the couch. Or, or maybe spiritually, right? When you first accepted Christ, you're like, put me in, coach. What do you want me to do? You know, I'm going to serve at church. I'm going to give you all this involved. I'm going to give Bible study. I'm going to do this. And slowly we kind of drift until God says, hold on. I hold this against you. Do what you did at first. See, feelings follow actions. Feelings follow actions. So if you think, man, the, the, the feelings just aren't there. The feelings just aren't there in my marriage or with my kids or with my parents or with my friends. It's just, you know, what you do, you start acting your way. You start loving. You start doing, and the feelings will follow. The feelings are like, oh, wow, I, I, this is amazing. I'm starting to help out. I'm starting to say, wow, I love you. I care about you. The feelings come, and that's what we're called to serve. And here's the thing, right? If you're ever feeling down, then go help someone. Psychologists will tell you this over and over again. Counselors will tell you this. See, what happens when we start feeling down on ourselves, we're turning in on ourselves. But when you and I start to turn outward, all of a sudden, the feeling's in our life. We go, man, God created me for a purpose, right? I have this gift, I have these abilities, and I can help people. I can make a difference. It changes me. Now, the fact is, right, we can't do everything, but we can all do something. We can't do everything, you know, but we can all do something. We can all look for ways, whether it's at home. We can look for ways in our neighborhood. We can look for ways at work. We can look for ways in our community. We can look for ways at church. And when we serve, man, it's amazing what happens. Our whole experience changes. It changes. We can't do everything. We don't all have the same gifts, right? I always try out for worship team every year. I never make it. I always get to auditions. I'm like, I'm pretty good, guys. And they're like, no, really not. So it's like, okay, I'll be down here. I'm going to sing every song. I'm going to worship. I'm going to be crazy. But you know what? We all have different gifts. Some of you, you're great at teaching students. You're amazing, you know? You're great with preschoolers. I go in there, I'm like, whoa, you know? And you're like, oh, yeah, come on, you know? And you love those kids. They just come to you. You're great at that. Some of you are incredible in the parking lot. Thank you. I know it's cold. You guys are amazing. So thank you. I mean, there's just so many ways that we serve. We can't do everything. But man, we can all do something. I was reading in USA Today, and there was an article about this family. And this family up in New Hampshire, uh, they had you know, three kids, all young. The dad was working about 80 hours a week, about 10 years ago, just 80 hours a week trying to get up through the holidays just to make enough money. And, and they were struggling, were struggling. And so the mom's being interviewed, and she said, yeah, it happened about 10 years ago. And she goes, we went to our church, and our church just came around us. They were amazing, man. They served us. They, they got food for us. They got Christmas presents for us. They brought food. And I'm like, way to go, church, you know, up in New Hampshire. Good job, guys. That's what church is. And then she said, you know, one day we were at Great Clips. I'm getting my boys' haircuts there. And she goes, I don't know if it was somebody from church or somebody else, but they came in and they paid for all of my kids' haircuts. She goes, I, I about lost it. I'm just crying. And she goes, I had had the money. I had three $10 bills sitting in my wallet. And she goes, I just thought, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then she said, I, I started thinking, you know what? We've all been down. It's been hard. You know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go across the street to Walmart. And she goes, I went across the street to Walmart, and I bought three $10 gift cards, and I said to my boys, all right, you guys go. Go find somebody in Walmart. Go find somebody, and you give them this $10 gift card. Somebody did something for us. We're going to go do that for somebody else. She said, my youngest son came back, and he said, Mom, there was a lady, and, and she was over on this aisle, and she was putting something back on the shelf, and her, her, her child was asking about it, and, and she goes, you know what? We, did, we just can't afford that one right now. And then she goes, I gave her. 
I gave her the gift card. You know why? Because she reminded me of you. The mom said, you know what? We're doing this every year. So for the last 10 years, every day, starting December 1, they go and do just some kind of serve. You know, she goes, we've taken cookies to the police officers. We've gone to the fire station. We've gone taking food to neighbors. Every day, we just try to figure out something. And I thought, you know what? How incredible that that church, that one person, right, served them. And then you just see it multiplied, multiplied, multiplied throughout the entire community, throughout the entire years, throughout all these people. In just that little small service, I think that's what God was doing. What God was doing right there in Bethlehem, and then just watch it multiply. All of a sudden, into a world of fear and a world of darkness, a world of pain, comes love and light and service and gifts, and it just reverberates to every one of us, and we pass it on. That's our call. That's our call. All right, look at this. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that powerful? The Son of Man did not come to be served. You're thinking of all people who ought to be served, right? I mean, when Jesus came, you would think he would be in a palace and we would all be going there to worship him, right? But no, he came to serve. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Many times we desire status over service. Come on. Don't we? Right? Many times it's like, oh, wait, and are people watching? You know, what was going to see? You know, and it's like, oh, we, we don't need status. Right? Jesus had these 12 disciples, if you read in Matthew chapter 20. And, and one day, the mom of two of his disciples, James and John, the mom, their mom, comes up to Jesus. And all the disciples are standing around. And, and the mom says, hey, Jesus, you know, my two boys, whoo, they're special. Mm-hmm. They are really special. You know, I don't know, you got these other 10. Eh, they're okay, but really, these two guys, outstanding. In fact, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, put one on your right and one on your left. How about that? Is that okay? Jesus is like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. You okay to put one on your right and one on your left? Because, I mean, they're, they're pretty amazing. And the other 10 get a little upset. Shocker, right? The other 10 are like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What about us? What about us? And so Jesus goes, teachable moment, pulls them all together. And says, hey, guys, listen, the Gentiles lord it over people, but not so with you. Whoever wants to be first must be last. Whoever wants to be the greatest among you must be a servant, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's like, we're not living for the world. We're not looking like the world. No, we're, we're, we're going to look like the kingdom of God. We're going to look like the kingdom of God. See, being a servant means following God's agenda, not our own. You know, so many times we're like, okay, God, but I've got my whole life planned out. I've got all this stuff. But, but what if we were to wake up every day just like Mary and go, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. You know, God, if you've got a different plan today, if you've got a different purpose today, I'm gonna be on your agenda. I'm gonna follow you. I wanna trust you. And then you start helping. You start serving. You start giving. You start loving. Start at home. Start with the people around you. And then just let it reverberate out onto the people around you. Hey, look at this. In your relationships with one another, okay? So your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, so talk about marriage, yeah. You talk about with your family, yeah. You talk about with your nieces, nephews, yeah. You talk about with your kids, you talk about at work, you talk about at school, yep. Your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Like he could have stayed in heaven. Like, I don't really don't want to go down there. There's a lot of stuff. I, you know, I'm going to stay here. No, he didn't do that. Rather, 
He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And that's the call for us. That's the call for us. Look, service follows vision. Always does. Service follows vision. So is your vision to have just the things of this world? Man, I want to be super successful. I want people to serve me. I want, you know, all this. Pamper me, you know. Or is my vision to be like Jesus? Is my vision to be somebody who gives back, to invest, who loves, right? If you have a vision for having a godly marriage, you're gonna stop keeping score, right? Because you love them. You want the best for them. You're gonna care about them. You're gonna encourage them, right? It's not like, hey, I did the dishes, right? You know, hey, I did this. Hey, I did this. You check it out, right? It's like, hold on. I wanna love you. I wanna serve you. If your vision's having a godly family, you're gonna pour into your kids. You're gonna teach them the ways of Christ. You're gonna love them, right? If you're with your parents or with work, wherever it is. Uh, the trouble is, the trouble is our heart always goes for what's comfortable. We come in from work and we're so tired. We're like, our heart just wants to go lay on the couch, right, and watch Netflix. Like, hey, can you bring me something? I'm tired. I did all this, right? But it takes discipline to say, no, 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 I'm going to engage here. I'm going to engage now. I'm going to engage and I'm going to love. I'm going to love. I'm going to love. Here's the amazing part. I mean, from a theological standpoint, here's the amazing part, right? God is sovereign. He's in control. He's over all. He doesn't need us, right? I mean, I, he's God, okay? We're not, right? He, he doesn't need us, but he allows us to be involved in his work. Why? Because he knows how he created us. He knows when we engage. He knows when we give love. He knows when we do acts of service. He knows when we bless other people. Our lives are blessed. Our lives are changed. See, when you give, serve, and love, you're being like Jesus. Because that's the antithesis of the world, right? The world is, I'm gonna receive, serve me, right? It's all about me. But, but when you give and you serve and you love, and you can't do it all, but when the Holy Spirit prompts you and you see that need and you go, you know what? I, I just, I feel like I need to do something here. I feel like I just need to engage here. I feel like I need to bless them here. I feel like I need to do, that's the Holy Spirit prompting you. The world's gonna say, don't. God's gonna say, trust me, trust me. And follow me. And that's the opportunity. Church, I gotta just compliment you. You are incredible. And I love being here because this is who you are, right? We had the giving wall a couple of weeks ago. And at the giving wall, you know, we just put it out really basically one Sunday and said, hey, if you wanna take gifts and we're gonna buy gifts for people in our community who aren't gonna get Christmas and give gifts through 413, through Path United, right? Through Shower Up and and these ministries that are around. And really, basically, one Sunday and brought back gifts the next you gave almost 2,000 gifts. <laughs> 2,000 families that are gonna be helped just because one Sunday you just said, I wanna give. You know the wrapping station, right? We're over at Cool Springs Mall and we're wrapping gifts and, and people can't believe it's free. I mean, they just kind of freak out. I was over there night we were wrapping and, and we're doing this. And I mean, we've had over 700 volunteers, 700 you take a two-hour shift and you go to the mall and we're wrapping gifts and people come up and they're like, yeah, how much is it? We're like, it's free. What? No, it's free. Like, what do you mean? No, seriously, it's free. And they're like, why? Why are you doing this? You're a church? We're like, yeah, we're a church. But see, we've received the gift of Christ at Christmas and we just want to give back to you. We know life is busy. We know it's probably hard to have time to wrap gifts for those that you love. And we want to do that for you. It's like, wow, that's incredible. You are blessing so many people. Just that opportunity for us when we serve, for us when we engage, we have the opportunity to join God in what he's doing and to make a difference. All right, look at this one. When we serve others, we demonstrate our love for Jesus. 
When we serve others, we're demonstrating our love for Jesus, Jesus coming out of our lives. The king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Isn't that powerful? See, our natural tendency is to place ourselves over others. It's just our natural tendency. It's kind of what we do. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says this. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Okay, so Advent, right? You know, we're celebrating Jesus at Christmas. We're also waiting for when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, he's coming in all of his power and all of his glory. And he's gonna separate, it says, all the nations will be gathered before him. That's us, right? All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So we're talking end times here. We're talking about every one of us is gonna stand before God one day and give an account of our lives. And the first question is gonna be this. What did you do with God's son, Jesus? Was there ever a time that you asked Christ to come into your heart and your life? Did you receive the gift that God has for you? Or did you just leave, live for yourself and just kind of leave Jesus out? You know, is it all about you? Did you respond to Christ? Well, he's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. Then the king will turn to those on his right he turns to the sheep, so there's a second judgment about how we lived. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now look at this. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Acts of service, right? Acts of service, we don't do it to earn our salvation, but once we are saved, it's how we live. And if you notice, these aren't big things. Somebody was hungry, <laughs> I bought him a meal. And gave him a gift card. I, I was just there. Somebody was thirsty, I gave him a cup of cold water, right? Somebody needed clothes, and I had a lot of extra clothes, so I took clothes to Goodwill to make sure that people had clothes or to Graceworks, or I found somebody who would need, and I just took it to them. Somebody was sick, and I took a meal, and I went and prayed with them and visited them, or they were in prison. It's just, it's just an act of service. It's me going in the name of Jesus, me blessing other people. That's what God's calling us to do. That's how God's calling us to live. Look at this. We grow impatient with others because we focus on ourselves more than Jesus. See, sometimes we look and we see others and we think they're in our way <laughs> versus looking and seeing others and saying, wait a minute, that's an opportunity to bless somebody. You know, with our words of affirmation, right? In our hearts, it starts there because I have an overflow of the heart, the the mouth speaks, and so sometimes we, we get frustrated with our kids or with our spouse or with the people around us, and then we have to realize it's not their fault, really. I'm frustrated with me. <laughs> I, I'm upset, and that thing, same thing can happen to acts of service. I turn in on myself instead of looking out and saying, hey, listen, I wanna bless, I wanna encourage, I wanna encourage you. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe there's something difficult that's happened in your life. Maybe there's a struggle that I don't even know about, and maybe that's why you're responding this way, but listen, I care about you because God cares about you. And God cares about me. Here's what Paul writes. Paul writes, in everything I did, I showed you 
that by this kind of hard work, and it does take work, right? It's act of service, it does. We must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. At Christmas, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, so often when we were younger, right, it was all of our Christmas list and all those, and that was fine. But as we grow older, you become a parent, you become a grandparent, you, you realize, man, you get more joy in giving. <laughs> you get more joy in seeing them open that gift or the door come open and seeing that dollhouse. You get more joy in that, right? That's because you're becoming like Christ. <laughs> That's because you're maturing. That's what God's teaching us. And we must be teaching the next generation to serve. I mean, we're blessed, man. I mean, living in the United States, we're blessed. Williamson County, holy cow. And, and our kids could easily go this direction, right? Could easily be like the world and serving me. But that's what we have to be intentional to help them. Help them grow. Help them learn to serve. My oldest daughter, she's 18. And when she was 15, we took her to Moldova. Uh, we went on a mission trip there, you know, with our church. And we started going there, you know, man, 19 years ago and doing ministry and started Justice and Mercy International. And when we took Grace there... And man, she worked with these orphan kids and she came back, it changed her. I mean, literally. She started serving every Sunday at church and working, you know, with, with in the kids' ministry and Main Street. And she just fell in love with, with, with making a difference. She came back and started working at jobs in order to make enough money to sponsor kids. It, it was a part of what she wanted to do. And I was so thankful. We took our whole family, went to the Amazon this past spring break and, and, and all of our kids, they came back and they would tell you, that was my favorite trip we've ever done. I'm like, we've been some cool places, right? National parks and stuff. And they're like, yeah, it was awesome. And now, you know, Kate's in preschool ministry serving and, and Mary's in with the first graders. Like, there's like 30 first graders. Like, dad, it's awesome. They love me. You know, and I'm just like teaching them. You know, we get to talk about the Bible today. And it's and, and just something happens inside of us. And how you build that into your schedule. And I know you may have small kids or life is busy or crazy or where you are financially, but think about this in the next three years, five years, kind of get a plan. Like, how can I help them engage? How can I help them serve? Or maybe it's right here locally, you know, whether it's Path United and helping kids right in our own community, or whether it's Shower Up or 413 and taking a meal down to these guys at 413. You can take a meal and it's amazing. And you just go and you take your kids with you and they watch you serve or they watch you serve on a Sunday or they watch how you interact with your spouse. They watch how you interact with your parents and you are teaching them. And are we teaching them to be like Jesus? Are we teaching them to love like Jesus? And I'm so thankful for you, church. I gotta tell you, I, I brag on you because so many of you serve in preschool, children, students. Now, over Thanksgiving, I was at a restaurant and, and this college student came up to me and he's like, hey, Pastor Jeff. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, oh, it's going great. And he was telling me about being in college. He's like, I got involved in my church there. And he's like, it, it's, it's going great. And I said, oh, that's awesome. He said, yeah, I really wanna be at Rolling Hills on Sunday because I love Rolling Hills so much. He goes, but, but this next Sunday, I'm serving. He's like, I'm serving. We're launching a new campus in my church there. And, and so we, you know, we're gonna be, I'm doing the setup and the teardown. And I was like, way to go, buddy. Way to go. I said, God's using you. He goes, I'll be there at Christmas. So if you're here, hey, how's it going? You know, but he said, I'll be here. He goes, I can't wait to be home because I love my home church. But I just thought, you're raising up a generation that's serving. And that's what we wanna do together. Man, we can see God change our community. We can see God change our country. We can see God change the world as we start to be a blessing to others. Here's what, here's what Charles Spurgeon wrote. He said this, there are three results of nearness to Jesus. So kind of look at your life. Look at your life. And here's the three results as you grow closer to Jesus. One is happiness. 
So if you look in your life and you're like, man, I just, it's, I'm always down myself. Hold on. Draw closer to Jesus. C.S. Lewis's autobiography, right, he titled it Surprised by Joy. He thought, you know, I didn't think when you came to, to Jesus that there was going to be joy, but it is. Jesus makes you better. You know, I, the angel said, I come to bring you good news that will cause great joy. Hey, holiness, when you draw near to Jesus, there's, there's really kind of conviction. You go in your heart and your life, you go, man, God's calling me to be holy, and there's some areas in my life. Maybe I've become selfish. Maybe I've become greedy. Maybe I've become, you know, lustful or prideful, and, and God begins to reveal that to you. But also this one, as you draw near to Jesus, as you mature spiritually, there's humility. And humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not like, oh, I'm terrible, I'm horrible. No, 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 no. Humility is thinking of yourself less. <laughs> humility is thinking of yourself less and like, how can I bless others? How can I encourage others? And that's when God really grows you. So the question today, are you growing <laughs> in your service? When you think about at home, when you think about at church, when you think about at work, when you think about at school, when you think about the places you are, are you growing in your service? You know, every year we go down to the Amazon and we do a pastor's conference for jungle pastors. <laughs> and it's amazing. In February, I'll go and be there and Chase Baker, our family pastor, and with Justice and Mercy International, we have like 100 pastors come from all over the Amazon. And, and these men and women are servants. This is their only vacation, so thank you for giving because you make a difference. This is their only vacation they have for the week, and we go and we feed them three meals a day. We have Bible teaching. We, we talk about that we go to teach them theology, and they teach us about Jesus because they're incredible servants. Pastor Cosme last year was talking about, you know, well, man, this year my house flooded and, and the church flooded, but man, God is so good, and lives were changed, and we can rebuild all that, but, but look at what God's doing. Or Pastor Walter and his wife, Simonea. While Pastor Walter's preaching at church, is out fishing in the Amazon River and catching fish and coming back and cooking all morning so that everybody from church can come over because a lot of them don't get a lot of meals. And so she wants to be able to feed them. That's her act. <laughs> Pastor Daniel, he'll preach on Sunday and then him and his wife walk three hours to another church through the jungle to go preach at another church because they don't have a pastor and then they'll walk three hours back. And the last night we're there, we always have the, pastors and wives come up, and then those of us from the States, we, we come in the last night, we have them sit down and take off their shoes, and we get down, and we just wash their feet. And there's not a dry eye in the place, man. They're all crying, and we're crying, but, you know, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. When I was betrayed, he washed their feet. This act of service, he said, if I've done this for you, you go. So whose feet can you wash? <laughs> spouse, kids, parents, neighbors, there's people all around us and we can see them as a hindrance or we can see them as a blessing. We can be people who love just as we've been loved. And that's what God wants for us. I don't know where you are today. Maybe a day is a day of salvation. You go, you know what? I've made life about me. I want to make it about you, Jesus. Come into my heart, forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. Maybe, maybe for you, maybe, maybe Satan's getting a little foothold in your marriage. Maybe today you just go, get behind me, Satan. I want to love well. I want to love well. Maybe with your kids, maybe with your parents. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God's here. 
that God loves you with an everlasting love. And the greatest act of love was God sending his son for you. And if there was nobody else in the world, just you, and you sinned and you were separated from God, God would have sent Jesus for you. Think about that. And this Christmas, be filled with awe and wonder again. Be filled with joy again. Open that door and just go, thank you, Jesus, that you love me that much. And you came to serve me, so let me serve others. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Where are you today? Do you remember your first love? Maybe today God's calling you, saying it's not about you. It's about me. It's about Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about love. It's about grace. It's about giving. It's about serving. Maybe today, just go, God, here's my heart. (laughs) Search me and know me. Maybe today, go, God, bring healing. Maybe there's somebody you need to go thank. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for all that you do for our family, for our friends. Maybe today, it's just a day of worship. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for Christmas. God, to think about the kings of this world who had lorded over, and you're the king of heaven who came down to us. Thank you for Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for Christmas. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray and respond back to you right now. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And lastly, from the church family to your family, Merry Christmas.